1: Does it bother me though? Of course it does. And sometimes more so than others. So the most vulnerable moments for me tend to be in public restrooms. I'd love more gender neutral toilet options.
0: Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Today I get to speak to an old friend of mine, Denny. You may know them as Styled by Denny on Instagram. They are non-binary, queer person. So there is a lot to unpack here, and the purpose of the conversation is to understand and respect non-binary people, the fluidity in which they move the conversations that we need to be having and how we can support them. But it's also just really fascinating and interesting. Denny, I mean, if you've got your phone on you now, check them out. I love this conversation and it has sparked another one, which you will hear at the end is going to be very revealing for me. Um, And I'm looking forward to sharing it with you all. Content warning. If you're suffering or triggered by the themes of this podcast, help services are listed in the show notes. My old friend, Denny, welcome to the deep.
1: Thank you for having me, my friend.
0: It's not a question I ask everyone, which is
1: interesting, but Denny, can you tell us how you identify in the world? So I identify as uh, non-binary is my gender identity. I use they, them pronouns. Um, My sexual orientation is queer, but I still use the word gay because it's a huge part of my life and something I, a label, I sort of wear very proudly. Um, I also identify as an Aries, (laughs) um, as an ethnic human of um, sort of Serbian slash Romanian background by way of Mm -hmm. India, which I now Mm -hmm. know um and I think really at my core I just am like a big old empath who loves a chin wag with their girlfriends um you know I always see the world well, I used to very much see the world through rose-colored glasses I think I still do it at times and am like a hopeless romantic hard on my sleeve kind of person and would you say still a stylist so no technically not That's not my job description anymore, but it's who I am at my core. My God, Mm. how can I leave out fashion? Yeah. Fashion is my love language. And while styling is not my job anymore, um, it's funny. Just before you called, I was looking at photos of me from my Cosmo years. It's all, it's always a huge part of who I am. And I was kind of looking at these photos earlier thinking, wow Denny you actually knew what you were doing like I was really proud of that styling I didn't look back at it with like cringiness or anything Mm. so yeah fashion is a huge part of who I am but I think it's become such an intrinsic part of my identity, that it's no longer a job. So maybe that's why it's not the first thing that rolls off my tongue, you know?
0: Yeah, I absolutely do. And I mm. want to say this first up is I okay. might make mistakes today with your pronouns. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and I just want to have a really respectful place for that because I'm, I still think I'm pretty um, aware of this, but mm. it, it, it's, it's uh, conditioning, right? It is. Um, so, I want to break down quite a bit of this, which okay. is being non binary. So, mm-hmm. some of the biggest uh, personalities that we know being non binary, the first one that comes to mind is Sam Smith. Yeah. Some people may or may not know that they are even non binary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we say non binary, this means or does it mean that your gender is not attached to either sex?
1: Great question and great way to frame that question. So it really differs for all people. I guess to break it down for your listeners, we'll start here. So a binary construct is any kind of system that contains two things. So like bisexual is the easiest way to explain that, right? So Mm -hmm. bisexual people are attracted to male or female, two Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Um you know, uh, a sports game could be looked at as very binary because you've got one team playing against another team. Mm -hmm. So for a very long time, um, I would say for most of sort of Western civilization, gender was framed or is framed in a binary way. Male or female are the only options. Mm. So to be non-binary means that you exist beyond that gender binary, right? You you exist beyond the male and the female. Now, within the non-binary umbrella... There are various um, gender identities. So Sam Smith is a great example. They identify as gender fluid, so they feel as though their gender sort of um, is quite fluid and goes between, you know, male and female, but it's like neither one of those things, but it's sort of, you know, it's fluid.
0: And sorry, just to interrupt for one sec, and that can turn up in today I'm feeling more feminine. I feel like presenting to the world more feminine, whether that's a lipstick or a blouse Mm -hmm. or a skirt or heels or whatever. And then one day they may feel more masculine.
1: Yeah. And it's very, it's very energetic. So Sam was very, Sam was one of the first people that I came across um, as openly non-binary. I remember reading an interview of theirs, and they spoke of it more from an energetic perspective, even, Mm. even more so than a um, aesthetic way. You know, it's like your mannerisms, your, your emotional energy, right? Sometimes it just, leans more towards the femme or the Mm. mask. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And and we all have that because I think, you know, spiritually we're very aware of like, you know, the alpha and the beta or the feminine Mm. and masculine and all of that. But from a gender perspective, because of, you know, the world that we live in, people generally kind of, Generalize and stereotype by you know your genitals or the way that you look Correct. on a front on a front facing thing, but actually Correct. in your soul we're all kind of gender fluid in our souls, you know. Yes. Um, so for me, I identify most with a identity which uh, the long uh, description is gender non conforming. So that was an identity that I heard when I was kind of doing my deep dive into the world of non binary, and that one really stuck with me because I just don't believe in conforming to any gender or any kind Mm. of gender stereotype. So I don't feel like a combination of genders, but I just kind of rebel and and don't conform against any of them, if that makes sense. And I'm sort of this combination of both and also neither.
0: And this is what's interesting. So if nobody, if somebody out there doesn't know um, what you look like, right, Mm. it's an incredible combination of all things. Mm-hmm. right so there are parts of you that you, you have facial hair but mm-hmm. you also have fab nails you know mm-hmm. you have um I think if you, the easiest way would just be looking at your socials we'll put that in the totally. show notes um to make that make sense but what is interesting right because I knew you back in Cosmo days we met mm-hmm. on a shoot we've been in contact you know sporadically over the years at watching this kind of really like finding this comfort in your skin, right. Mm -hmm. Finding this sense of self, what begins that? Like what Mm. allows that? Because, you know, we only know what we know, right. Mm -hmm. And for so long, the queer space, and I'm not even saying that's necessarily the binary non-binary space. It's Mm. also different, but it kind of, you know, evolved from there was, you know, gay, lesbian, bisexual. Yeah. Then there was like transsexual. Then there was eight. I mean, eight, I'm not saying there was, there always was, but of course. to our relevance, to our, our knowing through even yeah. media and society, what was your moment of like, okay, I've always identify, identified as like a gay man, Yeah, but there is something more for me. Mm. Obviously you've known that in yourselves, mm. but where was that thing of like, ah, oh, that could be me, that's me.
1: (laughs) So essentially, I guess to, in layman's terms, to explain to your listeners, I was assigned male at birth, so I have a penis and lived, you know, walked through the world very much um, with, you know, he, him pronouns when you met me and identifying as a man. Mm -hmm. But I always knew that my gender identity didn't really fit there. However, you you really hit the nail on the head because what, what has happened in, in my lifetime, and I think we're a similar age or so in our lifetime, is that, you know, when I was little, it was like the gay agenda. We were trying to get um, representation within media, just on TV, music, and I remember, you know, having uh, influences like George Michael and um, pr- not the prince, prince. Was queer, but, you know, like yeah, prince, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, guys who kind of dabbled in all of that sort of stuff. And then we had like Alan DeGeneres, a huge watershed moment. Then the gay, I guess, narrative played out pretty comfortably across media for a long time until it came time to decide about, you know, same-sex marriage and various things like that. So then following that, we had the trans story become front and center by Caitlyn Jenner. Mm -hmm. And as much as I don't love Caitlyn Jenner, I will always be grateful to Caitlyn for, for putting that conversation literally at the forefront of media when when she came out and transitioned so then that kind of started to be a you know huge discourse in media and and kind of gained a bit more momentum it wasn't until i would say sam smith for me and i think globally that people really started to hear the term non-binary. I was working at Cosmo and we did a campaign for around the same-sex marriage vote. And someone sent me an email and they had they, them in their signature. And I remember walking into my editor's office going, what's this? Like, I've never seen this before. And we were all a little bit confused by it, to be honest. We'd never seen that before. It's not something we ever even stopped to think about our pronouns, you know? So I was like, hmm, interesting. Then actually I lied. The first person that I really discovered as a trans non-binary person was Nico Tortorella via the show Younger. So if anyone watches Younger, Nico Tortorella is like the heartthrob in that show, but they are non-binary and they're also married to a non-binary person. So I remember coming across their story, they have a podcast and I was like, huh, what's this non-binary thing? But I sort of parked it. And then many years later, after Cosmo, well after Cosmo, and when I moved home to Geelong, Sam Smith came out as non-binary. It was a huge news story, you know, the kind of Spotify and the Grammys and all of these people had to change all of their catalog of kind of um, language around Sam to uh, adapt to their pronouns. And it was a really big moment. And I was like, wow, what is this? And when I listened to an interview that they did and then I heard them speak about their identity, I was like, holy shit. And then when I saw a music video that they did, And the way that they presented in that music video was like the first time in the Are you talking about... um, It's called How Do You Sleep.
0: Yeah, I love that song. Yeah.
1: And they're in heels and they've got all-male dancers and they're just Mm. like stunning. I was like, whoa, this might be who (laughs) I am. But I kept ignoring
0: it. Why did you ignore that?
1: Well, I find that for me, and I think for many people, the truth hurts and sometimes it's really hard when the world is holding up a mirror to your face mm. of something that you're too afraid to look at. I mean, the same thing happened when I came out as gay, like as a teenager, I would see gay people and I'd run in the other direction instead of embrace it. Uh,
0: it's, a so fear. You're, it's almost like your own preconceived or these ideas that have been put upon you. Totally. You're
1: projecting. Projecting. It's all projecting. And it's also a lot of internalized, uh, transphobia. So, you know, internalized phobias in general are generally, generally sit in people, uh, that have really struggled with, with their identity on on many different layers or levels rather. So, you know, if you actually do some digging and you look back at the way that the trans narrative has been presented in media over the years, Mm -hmm. it's not a very nice one. So when suddenly I found myself finding a person in the public like forum that Mm. I felt I identified with but then also thinking about how have trans people been treated in history like I was like no 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 no, no. I can't be this like this is going to be so complicated like what will my family think will anyone love me like all of the questions like what does this mean for my gay identity does this make me not gay like so many questions and I just kept ignoring it wow until I couldn't yeah, yeah
0: that's the thing right it's like you uh. You know something, you have this nagging, this nagging inside yourself where you have to turn up Mm
1: -hmm. for
0: yourself. And a lot of people don't. And there may be some people now that are listening that don't. Um, And that is everyone's own journey. But what was that turning point for you? Like what did you have to come to terms with to be like, holy fuck, okay, we're we're stepping into this.
1: Mm.
0: Life as I know it will change again. The conversations I have to have, like the energy, mm-hmm. it's the energy that it will take. to It's like restructuring everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. How did that feel for you and how did you land
1: there? Mm. So just before uh, March 2020, before COVID, it was February, I was invited to a Mardi Gras event um, in Melbourne. And there were 20 people at this event and we basically were sitting around a table and we all kind of had to share our lived experience and our queerness. And the person to my left was non-binary. And when I heard them speak their truth, I was fighting back tears because I was like, fuck, this is me. And after the event, I went up to them and I said, hey, um, you know, I was really moved by what you said could we exchange numbers i'd i'd love to have a chat to you about this privately and they were like yeah of course so anyway a couple of weeks later i spoke to them and i was like i think i might be what you are i'm not really sure anyway they sent me a bunch of incredible um articles to read podcasts, listen to things to watch on YouTube. And they just said, you know, have a look at all of this stuff. You don't have to, you know, prescribe to anything, but just go on a little journey and see what you come back with. Mm. So I did. And then I went to Mardi Gras like the month later and said to my best friend, you know, I think this is who I am. I think I'd like to change my pronouns, but I don't want to tell anyone just yet. Can we just keep this between us? And they were like, "Yeah, absolutely," and they kind of held space for me. And then when we went into lockdown, the whole world turned to fucking shit. (laughs) I suddenly had all the time in the world to really go inward, and Mm. I also had the safety of my own home. I didn't have to worry about outside judgment so much, Mm. um, because we were locked down for six weeks, and so globally, so. I spent that six weeks and I read every fucking article under the sun. I watched every single thing. And then it it ended up coming down to spirituality. So I'm a mega spiritual person and have only ever really lent into, I guess, the act of surrendering um, twice in my life. One time was coming out of a relationship that almost killed me. And then the second time was coming out as non-binary. And I basically said to the universe, you know, I'm pretty fucking sure that this is who I am, but I need Mm. you to show me. I I need you to show me this sign. Mm. And within 12 hours, the sign popped up everywhere, left, right, and center. And I was like, okay, it's time to do this and step into your truth. And then I did.
0: What was the sign?
1: So it was very specific. I chose a purple heart and unbeknownst to me, the color purple is actually in the non-binary flag. Now, I had no idea that that was the case. I don't even know why I chose the color purple, but I did. And suddenly it just showed up everywhere. I was getting messages from friends, uh, like text messages or comments on Instagram. And you know, when you use the heart emoji, (laughs) red is normally the inclination that people go with, but suddenly every (laughs) motherfucker was using purple. And I was like, oh my God. Um, And then when I discovered that the purple like was in the color of the non biny flag, I was like, Jesus Christ, Danny, like, this so is, is purple scary. the
0: representation of non-binary in the it flag? Is. Yeah, don't, it is. Yeah. I don't, know, don't, don't, don't. I know. I know. <laughs> I know.
1: It's wild. We love
0: the woo-woo here. Okay.
1: I know we do.
0: <laughs> so what is the steps then? Because I can like it's like your second coming out, right? Like, it is. Yeah. Um, you are incredibly blessed to have an amazing family. Mm. Not everybody in your position does. Was that the first step for you?
1: So the first step for me was to choose a safe space in five friends. So I came out to five of my closest friends first, um, individually, over the period of about a month, and they all took it really well. Um, in fact, one of my closest friends who lives in Sydney, who I used to work with at Cosmo, said to me, Denny, it's so interesting that you say this because I've never looked at you as a man or a woman. I've just always looked at you as Demi and Mm. there was never a gender attached to who you are. And so I thought that was really interesting. Mm. So I did that sort of spoke to the pals for about a month, I reckon. And then, yeah, after four weeks I sat my parents down and I told them, and that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And much harder than coming out as gay because at least with gay, they had some kind of reference point. Mm, And, mm, you know, with non-binary, they had nothing. And luckily for me, my mom is a huge Sam Smith fan. So I said to <laughs> mom, I-, I had something that I could reference for yeah, her. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, but it was really hard. They were not surprised. My dad was not surprised at all, but they were not very welcoming with it to start off with. They like really, really struggled. Is that because they
0: feel or they have a interpretation that life would be harder for you that way? Like what is it for them?
1: Yeah. So I think it's two things. I think when any trans human comes out to their parents, their parents go through two things. The first thing is what you just said fear you know um will our kids be safe um you know my mum sort of had these feelings of well how will your life be now like your life was hard enough as a gay man what's your life going to be like now you know so there's the fear and then the second part of um trans kids coming out to their parents is that their parents go through almost a sense of grief and mourning because the next thing that my mum said was, well, are you going to change your name? Like, you know, I, you're no longer my son. Like, mm. what am I supposed to call you now? The mm. pronoun thing. And it is a sense of mourning. And we saw that on the Kardashians when Kris Jenner was like sobbing into Bruce's shirts because mm. she was like, well, Bruce isn't here anymore because now Caitlyn is here. And it is a real sense of grief and mourning that the mm. parents go through,
0: 100%. It, it And it's so complex, right, because... Mm-hmm. They're not living this experience. They, I mean, they obviously are from like a third party, but they're not Mm. in your body. Mm. They don't understand at that point that this is the truth, you know? Because it's also like, how old were you then? 30.
1: I was 31.
0: 31. They're like, you've done 31 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can we just keep going? You've been, you've been Denny for 31 years, right? And then it's kind of, I guess they're like, are they sure? Are they really sure or is this like a moment in time? Is this a feeling? Is it a phase? Is, is it a phase? Are they going through something? Are they having a hard time because they're in lockdown? What yeah. was it that you, I mean, you guys have a brilliant relationship and and you're saying it was difficult, but what was it for them? Like, What needed to happen for them to really get it? Was it time?
1: Yes. So I said to them, the way I came out to them was that I wrote them a letter, but then I like read that letter out loud to them. And in my letter I said, You know, some things that you need to know is that really nothing is going to change. Um, I'm not, I love my body. I love my genitals. I'm not changing any of that stuff. Um, My name is beautiful. That's not changing. And um, whilst my pronouns are changing, mm-hmm. you can still call me your son. Michael can still call me his brother. My niece can still call me her uncle. I have no issues with those terms. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I love those terms. So really the only thing that was changing was that I was finally going to live authentically without fear because I guess for some context before this all happened I'd started wearing the heels dabbling with the makeup and doing so not just in nighttime environments and so when I wanted to go to brunch in a pair of heels I was always met with oh what is Denny now are you are you transgender you know what what's going on now and everyone was so confused by that and I just wanted to have the freedom to be able to exist and and just be who I am without <laughs> you know and finally feel the labor so-
0: spouse. And I don't mean to like laugh, but it's actually so funny that you can't just wear heels. No. Like it's so- our mm. society's so fucked up that I if know. someone wears heels mm-hmm. of whatever gender, we have to question their whole livelihood, their whole sense of self.
1: Mm-hmm. Not to mention if you're a woman and you show up to brunch in a pair of heels, you'll get, oh, why are you so dressed up? What, right? What's wrong? Are you a snob? So this is really fascinating because there's lots to touch on
0: here. You said it was comfortable for you. Uh, obviously there's a spectrum here for everyone and what they feel is yes. right for them, right? So mm-hmm. um, let's say uh, Joe next to yep. you um, does it it doesn't feel comfortable still being son, uncle, brother, yes. right? That is their choice, their prerogative. Nothing, Correct. there isn't one way, right? There's it's no fe- right way. It's a feeling thing. We were discussing, um, and something I find so fascinating is, should I be gendering my children? Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. The right? Adult and, yeah. and, and we discussed this. And because, you know, like, it's a funny thing when you're in this environment and you have lots of friends in this space, you're wanting to be, and you're open. Like once you see, you can't unsee, right? So I'm very conscious that I don't want to label my children or put them in a box or whatever. But also there is some kind of like we are raised with gender roles, right? Yeah. We know gender roles. So it's like a little girl and I I didn't want her room to have pink things, but all of a sudden, there are all these pink things, you know? Mm. And like, I love a tutu and not just for her, for my son, but he was never, I I wanted him, I bought him the dollhouse and I bought him all of the things, but he didn't want the things, right? So I was like, okay, cool, you do you. But at the same time, I want to be able to, relish in some of the feminine you Mm. know Mm. so what are your thoughts on this because it's big Mm. and this is your opinion only yeah i want to preface this but Mm. what are your thoughts on this
1: yeah it's something i think about a whole lot because i very much want to have children and the way i feel today uh we live in a world right now that um sort of the infrastructure and the institutions of the world are gendered like they just are you have a baby and the doctor (laughs) goes it's a boy it's a girl because you know of their genitals uh, genitals, correct so for me I know that when I have children they will be assigned a sex at birth and with that sex they'll be assigned pronouns and, Mm. and with those pronouns they will be assigned titles and that's kind of where it's going to stop for me. So, mm. you know, my partner is non-binary also, and we speak about this a lot. So for the ease of them moving through society, I'm sure when, you know, I have a child and if they have a vagina, then yeah, that my baby is, you know, a girl until she tells me otherwise. And right. the way, the way I see it is that Archie and I will raise our children so that they have all the options so that there are no gender stereotypes. We're both very passionate about them having gender neutral names and they will just, you know, exist in a way that is like their parents. I mean, they, they'll they just live without gender stereotypes because of their parents by default mm-hmm. when it comes to an age. And also I should say that we will equip them with, you know, actual knowledge and education around sex and gender and sexuality. None of this like, calling, you know, their penises like a pee-pee or like none of that shit. Like I want my kids to know what's up from very early on because that's how I was raised.
0: But it's also, that's also a safety thing as well. Correct. You know that, yeah.
1: Exactly right. And then when they are of an age to know and understand and comprehend the differences between gender identity and sex Mm. Then they can have that conversation with us. I mean, to put it into context for you, I got a message yesterday from a mother on Instagram that said that their child, at the age of three, has mm. told them that they would like to have they them pronouns. Now, wow, I, three. So I can chalk that down to they must have incredible parents who mm. are very forthcoming with information and education. Otherwise, that mm. kid would have no idea of those options. It's so
0: you interesting know? you say this, right, because um, we have a very close friend, Sean Zeps, yeah,
1: we love who Sean.
0: is a gay dad of twins, a boy-girl. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, combo?
0: Combo. Sorry, I didn't know how to say Girl-boy mm-hmm. girl, twins. And I called him... It would have been through the last lockdown and I said, look, I'm having some issues because my son is making things very gendered Um, and, no, that's a girl thing and that's a boy thing and we don't do that in our house, you know, and even my husband being a footy player, like my son will say, but girls don't play footy and he'll be like, in fact, son, let me show you and do the whole thing, do the degendering.' And then Sean said to me, I think you're wanting to make more sense of something that they're just learning structures. It's not, it's not a good or bad thing. It just is a thing. They're just finding where things are placed. They're just trying to go. Uh, this fits in this box, and this fits mm. in this box. And eventually, they're going to go. What other boxes are there? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But it's really tricky as a parent to go. There aren't such a thing as gendered things. You know. I mean, you won't know until you're raising your own kids, I guess. But would you find pushback on that? Or would you just be like, my kid is just trying to find his way in the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think the problem is that no matter how much you might be, you could be the best ally in the world, right? Or you could literally have children in a queer family like Sean's kids, mm. but they will still leave their house, go to daycare, go to kindergarten, go to school, and their minds will be informed with these rigid systems. Mm. And that really you have no way to control. So I would just say in that situation, I mean, Okay, so to give you the opposite end of the spectrum, I did some research when I first came out, and there's a a community like that exists on Facebook, and there's maybe like 250 parents who are raising their kids as what they call babies. So I've seen this. Yes. Yes. So only they know the sex identity of their kids, but everyone else doesn't. No family members, only the doctors know. Even like the teachers at their school don't know. They Mm -hmm. raise them with they, them pronouns, and until their kids tell them, how they identify, then they may or may not gender accordingly. Now, mm-hmm. I think this is incredible and so commendable that these parents are so forward in in that, and I think it is probably the way of the future. But are we there yet on a global scale? Probably not. So mm-hmm. when your kid is coming home and saying, "Oh, mummy, like that's a that's a girls' game. I'm not playing that," then I think you just ask them questions, like, you know, why is that a girls' game, honey? Like, why do you think that? Who made you think that? get on their level, you know, rather than get on the defense and say, well, no, it's not. Kids are smarter than we give them credit for, man. And, you know, I've got a little, I've got lots of kids in my life, like nieces and nephews. And I remember going to my auntie's house um, last year and I had like my nails done and my little uh, niece turned to me and said, Jenny, why do you have nails like long nails like mummy? Like, isn't that for girls? And I was like, no, Ariana, like, why is it for girls? Like, I love these nails. I was like, do you like them? She's like, yeah, they're beautiful. I was like, okay, great. Never ask me about them again. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: There's a few things I want to touch on. You have recently fallen in love <laughs> um you just said that you and Archie are raising a child so I'm like holy shit we are much <laughs> further along than I <laughs> thought uh, surprise Archie um so can we discuss and this is personal but you're sure. very open um sexuality is mm. different and, mm. and this is why people I think sometimes get confused mm-hmm. they're like so
1: do you um identify as trans yeah okay so let me let me very simply again break something down to you so transgender is a gender identity Mm -hmm. so and and, so underneath the trans umbrella there are two categories because the transgender is like an umbrella term so you have binary trans people people who have gone from male to female or female to male and then you have non-binary trans people because if you google transgender by definition it just means that you don't um you don't identify with the sex that was assigned to you at correct birth. Yep. so when I first came out as non-binary and I started hearing all these non-binary people being like yeah I'm trans non-binary I was like what are these people talking about I'm really confused because I had always attached trans to sort of transsexuality, because that was a, a term that was used a lot in the 90s yes. which we don't really use that term anymore um because it's kind of yeah, it's, it's a very different kind of term. There are people, of course, that are attracted to, you know, trans people or, there are, you know, there's a whole host of fetishes within the mm, trans mm. narrative, um, and that's a whole separate thing. So, okay, transgender is my gender identity. I'm trans, non-binary. Now, when it comes to my sexuality and my sexual orientation – When I first came out as non-binary, my mum said, oh, so does this mean you're bisexual now? Like, are you going to sleep with girls and boys? I I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) But I can understand why she went there.
0: Yeah, but it's totally... And I think that's why I want to have this conversation
1: because people are confused. Okay. So essentially, this is how I describe my sexuality. I'm attracted to people with penises. So as long as you have a sausage, I don't care if you're (laughs) cis or non-binary. So my partner currently is non-binary. Before Archie... I slept with, you know, only penis owners, most of which were all cis gay men. And um, mm-hmm. so I, I, that's why I still really identify with the term gay because it's a huge part of my life. And gay mm-hmm. means so many different things. Like lesbians can identify as gay. Language mm-hmm. is so up to interpretation, right? And mm-hmm. um, queer though is the feeling that I have and queer is, you know, you could be queer the queer community involves, includes rather many people, not just, you know, gay and lesbian and trans people. Now in terms of more broadly sexuality, you know, sometimes I lean and think, okay, well maybe I could be pansexual, meaning I could sleep with any person regardless of their gender because I have have sexual interactions with a vulva owner once before. It was only once. Um, And I didn't hate it. So, you know, but (laughs) for the most part, I'm gay. I love that
0: you didn't hate it. That was good. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, This is, can I just go back one step to trans non-binary? Yeah. Because like you said, and I guess up until this point of this conversation, my um, understanding of trans was male to female, female to male. Mm -hmm. So there is a space within the trans identity, Mm -hmm. which is non-binary.
1: Correct. Yeah. So Sam Smith is trans. So trans uh, is short for transgender and it, it is just an umbrella term for anyone who doesn't identify with the gender that they were assigned at birth. Now, when you don't identify with that gender as a trans person, you have one of, many choices, but let's say for ease, one of two choices, you either will transition in a very binary way. You Mm -hmm. will go from, you know, Bruce Jenner to Caitlyn Jenner, Mm. or you may just be really comfortable in your own body. You don't have any kind of uh, dysphoric feelings. And, Mm. you know, I never feel uncomfortable in my body. I don't feel uncomfortable with my genitals. If at any point I did, then it would be up to me to change that. But Mm. that makes, it doesn't make Genitals don't make anyone less trans, essentially. Yeah, I think that's what I wanted to hear. Yes, yes. yes. That's what was
0: confusing for me.
1: Because I think for us, we have been so used to this very front-facing, media-driven narrative that trans people are men who turned into women or women who turned into men.
0: Yes, and we have been able to share those stories on this podcast. And I think now... Where get you know things are developing and people are getting to know that they have more options within self, right? And there is space and there are people that they can identify with. The non-binary space is growing. Do you sometimes feel that there could be queer fishing? <laughs>
1: Wow, you have opened up a can of <laughs> worms. Um, yeah, we call it queer baiting, and
0: queer baiting. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. same term. thing.
1: Same thing. Okay. Um, I absolutely, you know, okay. I'm gonna preface this by saying, don't that try it is, and be polite. No, 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 no I does. won't. I won't. Don't worry, I won't. Um, I'll give you the tea. I I will preface <laughs> this first by saying that it is no one's right or duty to. Affirm or deny someone's identity, right? I'm mm-hmm. never going to take anyone's queerness away from them. However, mm. there is very clear, almost black and white examples all around us of queerbaiting, and um, mm-hmm. this has been a thing that's happened since the dawn of time. I mean, before before the trans and non-binary conversation was so front facing as it is now. Um, a, a really great example is a, a pop band in the early 2000s called Tattoo that for the duration of their career, which is pretty short lived, pretended to be lesbians. Mm-hmm. They weren't at all. Um, we see this all the time. Lots of, lots of cishet males actually will really lean into queerbaiting, particularly in Hollywood to gain, you know, a fan group of, mm-hmm. of queer people. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's something that we see a lot. When we see a lot. The, yeah, we see a lot. And when it comes to the non-binary conversation, sure, I've seen humans, um, you know, that I might think, hmm, how authentic <laughs> is your, where is your intention with this? Like, mm. are you trying to jump on a bandwagon? But that's not, again, it's, it's not really my place to say that, but I've definitely had proximity to some stories and some people where, Things don't always seem to add up, let's say.
0: And I, I'm i bringing this up because I just think someone that's living in their truth, mm-hmm. like I think for you, you are living in your skin as most comfortably as you can, but still in Geelong, and I don't know much about that, but I know it. it it's... I'm sure it's not like New York city.
1: Absolutely not. (laughs) You know,
0: um, you're walking down the street and I've seen your stories on it where you are mocked or name called. And I mean, every day that you walk out of the house, there'd be a level of knowing Mm -hmm. what was coming your way because you're living in your truth. Yeah. Uh, Firstly, I want to put this in two parts. How do you fucking do it? You know, like, that pull of being like I'm just comfortable around the people I'm comfortable around versus like I'm living at the fucking coffee shop or the fucking RTA or Medicare and I'm, do you know what I mean, like around civilians. like And I mean that with, and I don't want to be disrespectful when I say it that way, but like do you know what I mean? The the unconscious part of society looking, judging, like how the fuck do you keep the strength?
1: Do you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, as a teenager, I was bullied every day of high school, like from year seven to graduation. Mm -hmm. And it bothered me a lot internally. Like I would go home and be really sad, you know, I'd write in my diary and and be super sad, but I never, ever let it show. Like my parents didn't know I was bullied until a a teacher at at parent teacher interview told them, um, I, I was like Teflon and no matter how much I was bullied, I never stopped the dancing or the the sewing classes or anything I just kept chugging along so Mm. I think there's I don't know how but there's always been a level of just keep going Denny with me and essentially like I think it's I talk it down to a few things I've seen a lot of people um I've lost a lot of people at a young age I've had like three very um very significant deaths one was actually a suicide of close people to me like best friend kind of vibes and Every time that happens, you go, fuck, life is so short. So quite frankly, if I'm going to walk into Woolworths in, a, I don't know, like a feather trimmed kimono, which I have before. I love that so- one. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Is that the Camilla? Gonna- it is. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, It's my security blanket. I love it. And, you know, I wear it on flights whenever I feel nervous. It's just like a really special piece to me. So if I'm going to wear that to make myself feel good and Glenn has a problem with that, well, then sorry, Glenn, jog on. If you don't like it, keep walking. Like life is too short. Um, Does it bother me though? Of course it does. And sometimes Mm. more so than others. So the most vulnerable moments for me tend to be in public restrooms. Um, I'd love more gender neutral toilet options because that can be pretty yucky. And, uh, you know, in many ways, I'm still, I say a lot that I'm still like a bit of a a wog boy at heart. I'm too lazy to go to a cubicle. I just want to piss at the urinal. It's fine. Um, yes. but you know, it's quite a vision to see a person in a tutu pissing out a urinal. Of course, that's going to ignite some backlash. So those moments can be a little scary sometimes. Can
0: you tell me, does that happen? Have you been in yeah. a urinal in a, yeah, in, a yeah, yeah. in a pair of heels or something? And someone has said something.
1: Yeah. Twice. So one time, I mean, I didn't even get Cause to you're in your most fucking vulnerable. If your cock's out. Yeah, literally. Fucking, like, dull. do you know what
0: I mean? You can't get more yeah. fucking vulnerable. You
1: can't. So one time I was at a bar and weirdly enough, it was actually a bar that was hosting a drag show in Geelong. So I was in the toilet, I had a kilt on and I was peeing at the urinal and the bloke next to me turned around and said, what are you doing in here? And I was like, pissing. He's like, yeah, but you're in a dress. And I was like, well, actually, it's a skirt. He's like, you don't belong in here. And I was like, "Mm, okay. And I just walked out.
0: So you don't, you don't push back in those moments. You just go, okay, see ya.
1: Yes. I read the room. I'm like, do you know what? I don't love conflict at the best of times. Aggressive anger vibes, that's not for me. I grew up watching all my cousins get into fights at the club and that's just not my, my vibe at all. So in that moment, I would, you know, walk away. I've had other moments once, depending on how much alcohol I've had, where I kicked a guy in the <gasps> um, shin because I was like, fuck you. I was standing at a pub in the toilets, pissing, and he was calling me a faggot. And I was like, fuck you, mate. You want to see a faggot? And I kicked him in the shin and walked out. So, oh you know, God, it just, Denny. yeah.
0: It's the energy exchange. It's the energy you take on. And I think that is sickening and I think it's exhausting and I think it's unfair. And that's also why it's so important to talk to you is because many people don't get to know anyone that is non-binary or trans mm. or queer and we get to hear from you a really true expression of your experience and we go fuck we don't actually take that home what would I do next would I stare would I say something would I just let you like you are living in the world peacefully yeah why is this an issue why is this a trigger why is this triggering Glenn
1: totally and I think the issue is that you know you get one of two things as a trans person and especially if you present in a yeah, in a trans way. So for me, I mean I don't wear dresses and, and fucking heels every day, I can assure you of that. But whenever I do, you either get stares of like judgment or you get like stares of adoration and and you know mm. the oh my god, you're so brave. And which is beautiful. Honestly, it means the world to me. But sometimes like I don't want to be brave. I just want to get, you know, I wanna pick up my KFC.
0: I get it. I get it. Okay. So I want to go back to Archie. <laughs> Um so this is beautiful and I love and it's so generous how you share on socials and I really recommend people jump on and watch and look and follow because you were explaining how both of you are non-binary mm-hmm. but you both call each other different things. Yeah. And that is I guess just a conversation you both had to have about what you're comfortable with, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So similar to the the brother and the uncle and the son kind of narrative um I at heart am quite a traditionalist in many ways and I think that's probably just the ethnic person inside of me I love marriage I love traditions and customs and all of that so when I came out as non-binary I remember speaking to my non-binary friend and saying well what's the rules with you know what someone can call me and they said to me Danny there are no rules you can do whatever the fuck you want and I was like great so I always knew that I really like the term boyfriend and I love Mm. the term husband. Um, And I never wanted, you know, I've dreamt of someone calling me their husband my whole life. I don't want to let go of that dream. Um, I've dreamt of hearing a child call me Tata, which is Serbian for dad. Like, I don't want to let go of that dream either. Mm. So when Archie and I started dating and sort of became official, it was a really simple conversation. It was very ordinary. I just said, you know, I would like you to call me boyfriend. What would you like me to call you? And they said, for right now, let's stick with partner. Great. Those things might ebb and flow over the course of, you know, our relationship. I think that's just any relationship really, but in a trans relationship, I guess it's maybe a little bit more noteworthy in a way, but you know, I look at my parents and they have such um, flexible gender roles. It's quite interesting that, you know, they often my mum often steps into her alpha even more than dad. And then you get people say, well she wears the pants in the relationship, doesn't she? Oh my God. So, you know? It's so, so annoying. It's, no matter how you identify, there are always these stereotypes. So yeah, with Archie and I, you know, like I always say no trans identity is the same. Um and boyfriend could be really triggering to someone else. But for mm. me, I love it. Makes me feel really nice and warm. Mm, and I'm so happy for you. It's so, so, so beautiful. Thanks, Baba.
0: How do you feel when those around you that love you or even just people that are getting to know you fuck up the pronouns because like I was talking today about having you on the show and I'm even fucking it up, even though I know it, Mm. it's not um, in my neural pathways yet, if that makes sense. Totally. Yes.
1: Oh, good explanation. Um, So for me, honestly, it's been almost two years now since I've come out and the longer it is, and the more confident I am and comfortable I am in my own identity, the less it annoys me. At first it used to really annoy me. Mm. Now it's less and less because I know who I am. I'm less triggered by people's mistakes. Um, you know, I stuff up my pronouns all the time. I stuff up Archie's often. You just correct yourself and you move right along. I think the only times it really bothers me is that there are some people in my life who, you know, this is not news to them. As I said, it's been two years, and they're still yet to even try. Mm. And I think that's when it hurts me because I'm like, you're just being stubborn and lazy and also disrespectful. Disrespectful. Yeah, yeah.
0: disrespectful. I want to I, I'm going to speak um, as the ignorant Glenn for a Go moment, right. for all the people that are listening right now that are just like, oh, it's too fucking hard. Mm. You know, like, There's gay, there's this, and now we've got to fucking learn new pronouns. Like, you're just trying to be special. You're just trying to stand out. You're just trying to be different, right? What do you say to that?
1: I say a few things. I say, firstly, I love you and this is a safe space. And then secondly, I say, you know, you've actually been using these quote unquote new pronouns in the singular your whole life. Um, and I'll give very clear examples of this. If you go to a cafe and there is a wallet on the bench and the person is gone, you say to the barista, oh, fuck, someone's left their wallet here. Should mm. we try getting in touch with them so they can, you know, come back and get their wallet? Mm. In one swift, like, moment, you've used gender-neutral pronouns in a singular mm. because you don't know who that, how that person identifies. Mm-hmm. We do it all the fucking time. There is nothing new about this concept. You're just to set in your own ways, to want to restructure your mind for a hot second. and mm. um, But when you do, I promise you it won't even, like it becomes so ingrained in you that you don't even realise how well you end up doing. Like I've got so many friends now that are like, oh, my God, Danny, like it just wouldn't even occur to me to use he, him pronouns for you anymore. Mm. You know, and at the start it was really tricky for them. Um, you know, will we seal stuff up? Yes. And I can assure you, Glenn, (laughs) um, (laughs) that we have no desire to be special or different or annoying. It is just as simple as here's a perfect example. The, you know, one, um, really easy way to frame this is that if Glenn was to walk into the RSL on a Friday night and people said, hey, Brad, hey, Brad, hey, Brad, even though they know his name is Glenn. Mm. How would that make Glenn feel? Invisible, disrespected, Mm -hmm. not a worthy member of that community. It's exactly Mm -hmm. the same thing.
0: Mm. God, I love it. Okay. Um, Suicide rates. Yeah. The damage, the, I mean, not only deaths, like murders, but we're talking suicide Um, You just put something up recently about
1: this. So in Australia, um, as per the, like, you know, research that happens every year, um, as of last year, so gay youth from the ages of 17 to 24 are five times more likely to take their lives than straight youth, Mm -hmm. and trans youth of the same age um, are 11 times more likely. In fact, over 11 times more likely. (sighs) and then if you go if you drill down even further i think it's something like 42% of trans people in australia have at some point attempted suicide or oh or, or will in their lifetimes um to give you context for that conversation in my life i've only ever had suicidal thoughts twice First when coming out as gay and then second when coming out as, you know, non binary. So that speaks volumes.
0: Denny, just that you just that you minimized that. Just that you said, I've only had two suicidal thoughts is the problem. Yeah, I know. Within this conversation, because you're saying I'm trans, but I haven't had that much. I haven't tried. Like that is seriously yeah. sad
1: of course, it's heartbreaking. And I always say, well, I'm one of the lucky ones. And I don't take that for granted. And I, and I say that with a great amount of privilege. I come from a family that amongst all the odds, against all the odds, against the ethnicity, the religious beliefs, all of that, they stuck by me. I live in a relatively, you know, cushy environment now. I mean, have since we were probably like 20, my parents, you know, kind of became small business owners and we lived quite comfortable lives. I was privileged in my suicidal thoughts. Imagine, imagine the people Mm. who come from far more marginalized, far more underprivileged communities, you know, absent parents or, you know, people who struggle with abuse and addiction and all those Mm -hmm. things, like their odds are not in their favor. And then you have something like this religious discrimination bill that we're currently fighting for, Oh, you know, draw a line in the sand. It's like, it just boggles my mind. And then we wonder why we have those statistics. Like it's, you know, how can, you know, a little fox in Sydney uh, come to terms with their identity when Glenn is calling him a selfish, woke fl- snowflake for wanting to use, you know, gender neutral pronouns. I mean, it's a direct correlation, you know, that simple
0: and i think you know we always want to give the listeners some kind of power to make change one of those things that you said and i never want to get into politics because this is not
1: who we are but you (laughs) did
0: say be aware of who you're voting for in the upcoming election
1: yeah
0: you are very strong with starting conversations however that may happen you know welcoming them spreading the awareness is there anything else that we can be doing to help be great allies to the community?
1: It's conversations like this. It's holding space. It's coming at my community with empathy and love and kindness and respect and an understanding that, you know, during Black Lives Matter there was this quote that was like doing the rounds and it said, um, whilst I may never understand, I will always stand. And that really like struck home for me because you will never understand what it is to be a trans person, right? I will never (laughs) understand what it is to be, you know, a cis woman. I have so many girlfriends going through like fertility things at the moment. I will never, I could never pretend to even understand what that feels like. But I will stand by them. You better fucking believe it. Tooth and nail, I will stand by them. And I will stand by my black siblings and my Asian siblings and, you know, my Jewish siblings against anti-Semitism. I will stand by the people mm-hmm. of the human race. Like it's, and, and what's so funny about all of this is that, you know, it's all these religious people that say, oh, well, we can't do that because of our faith. When literally I studied the Bible for 10 years of my life and God says You know, you love your neighbour like you love yourself. Mm -hmm. So how to be an ally? Not with
0: conditions. Not with conditions. No conditions.
1: (laughs) How to be an ally? Love unconditionally. Mm. And and always think that you have no idea your mate, your children, your nieces, your nephews, the friends that your kids go to school with, everyone has proximity to queerness. And, you know, the more empathetic you are and the more welcoming you are to supporting our community you know, that makes the world a safer place for queer people to exist.
0: And this is something I think we'll need to do a part two of, is I would go a step further and say we all, I can't remember who it said, it might have been Russell Brown that was like, we're all on the spectrum of gayness, right? I agree. Gayness.
1: We're all a bit gay. I, I say be- that all the time. And
0: <laughs> I believe this, and I believe Glenn is more gay than he'd like to think. A
1: hundred percent.
0: So I do really want to discuss with you, and I mean this in all seriousness, like I feel like, and I'm sure so many people listening to this have feel stunted to even explore queerness. I really would love to discuss your interpretation on this, living in your truth versus someone, and I'm living a deliciously full life and I would never, never say otherwise but I do feel like wow what would it be like now if I was being raised as a child now by me you know like like my mom was incredibly open um and a huge ally like I grew up with her on the floats at the Mardi Gras when I was Mm. very little thinking this was all very and it is very normal you know but still society a girl's school all of those things Mm. robbed me of my curiosity Mm. and i would love to discuss it it's going to be a big juicy conversation for both of us and very revealing one but i i think it's also important for people that are sitting in a very straight mentality Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to give them freedom to
1: explore would you do that with me oh i would love to and you know I will just say this, we'll save it for our second chat, um, (laughs) that you are absolutely not alone in those feelings. I've had so many conversations with women in my life who feel exactly the same way. And, and I think uh, funnily enough, the first thing that came to my mind as you were talking was the um, sex in the city reboot, because I think a lot of people mm, said, well, you know, well, why, why would Miranda do this? And it's like, well, why wouldn't she babes? Like, yeah. you know, we, we coast through life in these rigid binaries because mm-hmm. we're told that we have no other option. And then suddenly we now live in a world where there is so much options. And I think mm. that's why the glens of the world are a little bit annoyed and have bees in their bonnets because they craved options. You know, yeah.
0: and it was taken from Glenn. What and it was is,
1: taken from Glenn?
0: This is a big,
1: is let's, become, let's hold yeah. it. Let's That's hold it. Yeah, we'll it's gonna be it. a
0: really great one. The Daily mm. Mail will love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but our final question today Go. is Who are you when no one's watching?
1: Whoa, good question. I just went all red in the face. Um, <laughs> who am I when no one's watching? Well. As I sit here, we're packing up the house that we've lived in for the last three years um, to move house with my family. Uh, and, you know, in this house, we went through the global pandemic. I came out as non-binary. So I'm currently sitting alone. My help, well, my parents are, sorry, my parents and my brother are moving in a truck as we speak. And I've been reflecting a lot today. And the person I am when no one is watching is mm. the exact opposite in many ways to what people might expect me to be i'm really quite introverted i'm actually most happy when i'm alone with my thoughts i'm Mm. a very deep thinker i'm an overthinker i've always been an overthinker and i think when i'm alone when no one's watching i'm really the closest i've ever been to little denny and truly and i think Anyone who's done any kind of like trauma healing will know that the aim of any kind of healing is to try to do like um, the inner child work because the longer mm. we live through the world, the further we get pulled away from our inner child. But when I am alone by myself, I'm just like nine year old Danny, just like being a, a geeking out <laughs> over fashion or you know, I'm um, eating like in, jocks, in the yeah in the, yeah, in yeah. the pantry <laughs> totally totally totally. Super introverted. I have always been, you know, I spent all my lunch times in the library at school. Like, that's me when I'm by myself. Oh, I love it.
0: You're so beautiful. I'm oh, excited for our talk. I'm me excited too. to like do this again. I'm excited that we have really shaken up people's minds today and given them some insight and
1: just so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for holding space for this chat. And God, I could fucking talk to you all day. <laughs> And you know what? That's exactly how I felt when I met you seven years ago. I remember it very well. <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you. My pleasure.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep.